This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. If you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, Recovery Centers of America can help. RCA's local inpatient and outpatient programs are founded on science and delivered with heart from an expert caring team who will inspire and guide you every step of the way. Call 1-800-941-2358 to speak with a treatment advisor. At RCA, you'll be in a community that builds connections and fosters support from peers and RCA's team of medical professionals. At RCA's state-of-the-art campuses, they tailor your treatment to you and also offer specialized programs for patients with history of trauma or relapse, for young adults, for adults 50-plus, for LGBTQ patients who wish to seek treatment without worry of stigmas, a confidential program for first responders and military, and a faith-based program. Recovery Centers of America accepts patients 24-7 and is in network with most insurance providers. Don't wait. Call 1-800-941-2358. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Okay, which one of you despicable people put a spell on my sweet Kyle Lowry? 12 points, one assist, 18% shooting from the field? From North Philly to your city, that's my Kyle Lowry? I don't think so. One of you people out there put a spell on him, and, you know, I'm going to have to threaten you with some sort of action, executive action, if uh, you do not repent in some way and remove said spell. Allow him to recapture his game, you monster. How selfish are you? For what, gambling? Betting? You sick, sick person. How dare you? This is the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm Mo Samson Folk, and you're joining me after the Raptors' loss, wherein they split the two-game miniseries they play in Indiana against the Pacers. The Pacers now 10-7. and The Raptors now 7-10. and 129-114. They fall in this one. A very different game from last game. The defensive intensity and discipline, not quite there. I wrote about this prior to the other game and said, well, the Raptors happen to send teams to the line a lot. Maybe this happens in this game. Because the Pacers, you know, it's kind of like last year where the Raptors would put teams in position to shoot more threes than they were usually comfortable with. And that would usually allow them to put the ball into weaker shooters' hands, make them make more decisions, a little bit more contested shots. You throw their normal offensive feel out of whack. 
that was great. That was a good thing for the defense. This year, they're just sending teams to the line a lot, and fouls are basically never a good idea. The Pacers, not a huge free throw rate team. In fact, coming into this game, they were behind the Raptors, one of the few teams. And as we see, the Pacers got to the line a a season high tonight, 45 attempts, shot 82% on them. That's that's tough for the Raptors to swallow. They, man, the Miles Turner and Malcolm Brogdon pick and roll, one one five. It's it's not Miles Turner on ball, but that action, sheesh, that was that was something serious in this one. The Raptors were not equipped to deal with that whatsoever. Brogdon, after having you know an abysmal game last game, getting more time with Kyle as his primary, well, a little bit more in this one, and not just Fred. And Brogdon, you know, he took he took the pacing of the Raptors defense from last game. He stored it away in his mind and he figured out how to attack because 36-7-9 on, you know, 60% shooting basically got to the line 14 times. I mean, that's that's a lot of free throws. And he found Turner on the roll a bunch. He was able to spray to the corner if it was McConnell shooting, Jeremy Lamb spotting up, Justin Holiday. Whoever, right? It's Brogdon was getting downhill. He completely dismantled the Raptors defense all game. After 10 minutes of play, Sabonis bumped his knee. I'm not sure if it was knee on knee with Kyle Lowry, but bumped Kyle Lowry something, had a knee contusion, left the game. He only played, you know, 11 minutes in this one. A very impactful 11 minutes. He's everywhere, typically. If you look at miles traveled and usage rate and touches, Sabonis is one of the busiest players in the league. So him getting injured and leaving the game, you would think would completely take the Pacers out of it. Luckily, though, Brogdon is a you know a very impressive point guard. He just worked right in that pick and roll with Turner, gave the Raptors fits all game, and they rode that to the win, basically. Yes, there there was some other things that went wrong in this game, but... The Raptors, without Siakam, with Kyle Lowry playing as poorly as he did in this one. And, you know, Ananobi missing part of the game. He only finished with 27 minutes. They really needed him in that closing stretch. He was off in what appeared to be concussion protocol. Didn't really get to come in and affect the the defense late. That downhill action man with Brogdon making decisions or that little mid-range pop that he likes. Floaters getting to the free throw line. The Raptors, I think it was a 25, scratch that. It was a 29-12 to 12 run to close out the game. They end up winning by 15. Obviously, that's a pretty big deal. The Raptors took the lead at 102-100. to 100. The Pacers closed them out very effectively, ran away with this thing. And yeah, it's just you didn't have enough from the Raptors to score around 130. The defense was not good enough to stop the downhill action that got them in rotation left people open for jump shots. TJ McConnell attacking on the weak side. Miles Turner rumbling to the rim on the roll. Lamb, McDermott, those types of guys slipping in for jumpers. It's They were a tough team to contend with in this one. And, you know, sometimes those are the breaks. The Raptors playing catch-up for most of the game, just trying to keep pace because the Pacers, they shot out to a very early lead. 8 of 11 from downtown to start. It is that downhill action. Of course, that was a huge part. You know, I'm repeating myself for the fifth time, I think. So I won't say downhill action anymore for the rest of the podcast. But they were hitting their shots, getting the defense in rotation, finding gaps, 
taking advantage of the Raptors' lack of punch at the point of attack. Unfortunately, in this game, Kyle Lowry, who is typically such a smart and you know crafty point of attack defender, not good in this one. I didn't like his defense at all. Fred, I think, is... You, if you watch the games, no matter what, even if you don't like what Fred is working towards sometimes, he's always working. And his on-ball defense, I thought, was exhaustive in this one. And offensively, he really, really tried the whole game to get his teammates looks, to get looks for himself. And finishing with 25, 4, and 6, I thought he was super impressive in this one. So he kept trying to drive the Raptors. Powell, I mean, he completely, if the Raptors defense would have held up towards the end of the game, Powell would have been the guy who changed the complexion of this game because early on, once again, he is that super effective weak side attacker who radically changes how the Raptors play offense because they've been able to break down point of attack defenders this year. They have. It's just Fred isn't typically a guy who rumbles to the bucket, finishes with either hand, and can be really dangerous headed downhill. I'm saying it again, but in reference to the Raptors, not the Pacers. Okay, don't don't kill me. You can jokingly refer to me as Samson the downhill operator folk. You can make jokes at my expense, but don't hate me for this, okay? Fred, typically not a guy who drives to the rim repeatedly and beats defenses that way. Norm, coming off the weak side, be it a pin down, attacking a closeout, whatever, was really impressive in this game, and especially early. Having a guy like him who you can just run weak side action, have him come off a screen, and he goes up in the air with Miles Turner, the NBA's current block king and a Defensive Player of the Year nominee at this point. And he finishes with his left hand, takes the body, finishes with that left outstretched, has the finesse, has the power to bump and finish at the rim with touch. That's That makes the Raptors way more dangerous. And in addition to that, he's going to hit a couple threes. He, he shot less than 30% from the three-point line in this one, but... That's That doesn't take away from his effectiveness as a weak side attacker. He had 24 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists in this one. The assists have come around in a big way too, taking the extra attention that's starting to come his way after he has that early success attacking, whether it be a dump off or spraying the ball to the opposite corner if the whole team's defensive shell responds to him by shifting over. Good stuff from Norm. That was early on. Fred as well. But... Ultimately, in this one, the Raptors just did not have enough offensive punch. You like you like what Boucher brings. Typically, I think his hands, he had a lot of trouble finishing tonight. And that was, he's getting stuck under the rim in this game. And that's a credit to whoever's tagging him or pushing him under the rim when he's catching the pass. And that's that's where the weight comes in, right? Is he's less able to just kind of carve out the spot he wants in the dunker spot so that he can go straight up. What happened a lot in this game is he gets the ball, he gets it low, there's a guy establishing position and pushing him a bit farther on his pivot. So for example, if you look at him, think of a guy in a pivot, right? He's he's in a stand, he's in a stance and that right leg can swivel and his left leg can go freely, right? If he's picking up the ball and that left leg is, you know, shuffling around, that's fine. But guys will come in and make him swivel so that he's farther under the basket. Then he has to do this kind of reaching back. 
He's almost like supermaning in reverse, trying to finish to get out from under the rim. And that's why you see a 3 of 12 performance there. So not completely his fault. The Pacers were really long at the rim, especially Turner. Goga, you know, he did his thing there. And guys like Brogdon, they dig in not as well as Fred, but nearly as well. Same with TJ McConnell, Aaron Holiday. So he, he was bothered. But I like his hands. He's grabbing lots of stuff. I I think that if he performs the same way in future games, it'll turn out fine. The three-point shot wasn't really, really there in this one, but especially at one of six. But he's shooting like 50% from the field. Or sorry, not from the field, but from three in this season. So you kind of just swallow this game one for six. Take what you can get. Baines was not so bad in this one. Not much to write home about, though. Stanley and Yuta. Both had extended looks in this one. Stanley with 25 minutes, Yuta with, I think, 15. Stan, I believe, the only positive player at a plus three. Oh, Matt Thomas at a plus four because he came in and scored four points in two minutes really quick. Man, it'd be it'd be nice to see a little bit more of him, but I guess that's not in the cards currently. Stanley with the six assists, four points, four rebounds. Really smart decision-making. It seems to get a little bit better with each game. The Raptors are trusting him a little bit more. You'll see guys are recognizing Stanley more often in transition or after a basket, especially in a game where TJ McConnell is like crawling into either Fred or Kyle's ass, full court pressing, no matter what. And Aaron Holiday, he'll also press up. So will Malcolm Brogdon. So if you're looking at your tertiary guys to get the ball up the court a little bit quicker, like Stan, and they see something they can take advantage of, get the defense in rotation, make a pass, find a guy. That's where the six assist comes from. Stan making good decisions a little bit more on ball in this game. I liked him. I thought he was good. And he had a highlight block against Aaron Holiday. Really came over and just swatted the hell out of it. That was fun. But in a losing effort, I thought Stanley had a really nice performance. And same with Yuta. A little bit more scoring pop from Yuta. That was really nice to see, especially since... If he made a couple of those three-pointers that didn't go down, that would have really helped. But you can't make a guy shoot. And if, you know, if percentages are to be believed, and Yuta, if you watch the game, you see he's got a decent form on his jumper. It's not something that you look at and say, there's no way that can't go in. It It's repeatable. It's somewhat pure. It's fine. It's a good jumper. Solid. He's not shooting that well from three in the season. That should likely come around, but his ability to create baskets with hustle plays, that's a really nice thing to see because his defense far outpaces what Terrence Davis can bring. And if he can replace some of that shot-making pop that Terrence Davis typically brings, then you're looking at you've just added a much better player to your rotation. So hopefully he, he figures it out, but the rebounding, the defense in this one, liked it a lot. DeAndre Bambry, Paul Watson both had looks... Paul hit a three. Bembry, Bembry missed a dunk that was, you know, it was all right. And Bembry had some on-ball stuff that didn't really turn into anything. But I understand why he got minutes because he had such a good performance last game. But the Raptors, for the most part, just didn't have the guns to hang with the Pacers if they're going to score 130. That's the tough part about this. And when most of Norm's points come in that first three quarters, then you're looking at a team that was looking for a guy to produce on the weak side to attack the Pacers. Boucher wasn't able to do it. OG was out for most of that fourth quarter with, obviously, the concussion protocol 
the Raptors really did miss him, as I said at the top of the podcast. Fred, not an incredible weak side attacker, a guy who, if he's going to be scoring, he'll probably be in relocation or finding himself in transition, stuff like that. And then a mid-range jumper here and there, pulling up in the pick and roll for three here and there. Not not a ton going towards the rim, but weak side attacking, his typical attributes, the things that he's good at, don't make him super dangerous in that type of area. So the Raptors, basically, they, they ran out of firepower in that fourth quarter. That's how these things shake out sometimes. And the, the Pacers outlasted them because they had repeatable success throughout the whole game. And the Raptors could not find that. They were still waiting on somebody, anybody, to really make the Pacers pay for overloading on some of their primary actions. That didn't happen in the fourth quarter, scoring only 17 after clawing back into the game, pushing in transition as often as they could, working really hard, Powell faking dribble handoffs, turning the corner, dunking, attacking closeouts, Fred pushing. It's It just didn't happen in this game. Tough to see. A good Kyle Lowry performance would have went a long way defensively and offensively because if Kyle Lowry is on point, You have pick-and-roll offense that you can look to in the fourth quarter and throughout the game during these lulls. And the Pacers, they were really, really pressuring the ball. That led to some some free throws during the middle parts of the game, but the Raptors couldn't live on that. At the end of the game, the Pacers tightened it up a little bit, got caught with their hand in the cookie jar a lot less, and the Raptors, as I said, 17 points in the fourth quarter on that 29-12 to run to close the game. They just... They got beat in this one as, as, you know, it's sucky to say it's not fun, but that's kind of how it shook out. Reggie Evans award. I want to give it to Stan. I liked what Stan did. A couple late fouls that, you know, maybe be a little bit less overzealous in how you're helping. Maybe stay a little bit more disciplined, you know, but it's kind of nitpicking because he did have a good defensive game. So he competed well. He did a lot as far as covering ground, getting out on switches. And in a game where the defense wasn't great, I still thought that he was a bright spot in this one. And offensively, continues to work. He pushes and he moves on offense. And it's not like a guy who just stands still and waits in the corner for a three-pointer. He has shot the three-pointer better recently, but it's this new role where he gets to play make a little bit that has him moving more on offense. And he knows that he doesn't have to get to the rim. Of course, if he could get to the rim and become a good finisher, that would be huge. But that is never, not even for you know a, a decent stretch of any season with Detroit, New Orleans, or the Raptors, been a strength of his. So probably not waiting for the other shoe to drop with that. Probably just going to play make, hit the occasional three, defend like hell. And and he did that in this game. He didn't hit a three, but the playmaking and the defense, I liked it a lot. So Reggie Evans award goes to him. The top quick reaction comment is from Niagara underscore dude. Quote, I think tonight was a perfect example of anyone thinking that Boucher will stand up to starting fives with decent size in this league. Not happening. End quote. Okay. Uh, fair. If the Raptors aren't running heavy pick and roll offense with him as a roller or as a popper, and a a version of a popper that shoots better than one of six from downtown, right? If he's going to shoot one of six from downtown, he becomes less viable because the way he stretches the floor is part of the appeal. Defensively, he's super rangy, 
and he gets a lot of blocks. He can deter a lot of people at the rim. He had two blocks, and he didn't even have a super good defensive game. But it's if he's just trying to stand up a big man coming down, that's that's going to be tough. And to hang on the boards that are about carving out space instead of about you know out jumping somebody, just getting your hand on the ball first, he's going to have trouble too. There are facets of the game that aren't his strengths. Asking him to do thirty minutes of banging around when he's not when he doesn't really have his jump shot going, when Kyle Lowry isn't really creating vertically in the pick and roll for his pick and roll partner, he's not providing the same punch that he typically brings that helps offset when you lose a possession because somebody bumped him into space or something like that, right? So tough game for Boucher. I still think he deserves way, way more love for how he's played this year. Still feel very positive about him. This wasn't his game. That's just how it shakes out sometimes. Hate to watch the Raptors lose, but Boucher wasn't the reason they lost. You know, he had a couple of bad pick and roll possessions as well as far as defense, but I, I wouldn't look at Boucher as the guy. If they had better performances from Lowry, I think that changes how a lot of other players play, especially with Lowry's playmaking bent, especially when you consider that he can create layups for teammates, which is hard to come by outside of Norman Powell on this roster. So a good Lowry game would have went a long way offensively and defensively. But Boucher, you make a good point. This wasn't his game. You can't just throw him out there at the five and he'll be bulletproof in any matchup. There's He has to be played properly. He's, he's a type of player who a coach, a really good coach, is going to figure out how to use. Unfortunately for the Raptors, they're not super deep in the front court right now. And maybe Boucher gets a little bit more minutes in these games because... Baines hasn't been the player that they thought they were getting, even though he's turning the corner. And that's that's how basketball works sometimes. It's not always going to be exactly what you want. I mean, Alex Len is with the Wizards now. So the Raptors are obviously still trying to figure out something in the front court. But yeah, Boucher, this wasn't his game, I think is fair to say. Thanks for uh, commenting, Niagara underscore dude. And thank you, listener, for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it was worthwhile. I hope you learned something. And if you didn't, yell at me and say, why do I listen? You don't teach me anything, you fool. And uh, make sure to do that on Twitter, not in the reviews of this podcast. For, for the reviews of this podcast, just make sure you say nice things, please. And thanks, because that stays up there forever. Okay, thanks for tuning in. Whether you got into this in the morning or at night, I've been Samson Folk. Have a blessed day and goodbye. If you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, Recovery Centers of America can help. RCA's local inpatient and outpatient programs are founded on science and delivered with heart from an expert caring team who will inspire and guide you every step of the way. Call 1-800-941-2358 to speak with a treatment advisor. At RCA, you'll be in a community that builds connections and fosters support from peers and RCA's team of medical professionals. At RCA's state-of-the-art campuses, they tailor your treatment to you and also offer specialized programs for patients with history of trauma or relapse, for young adults, for adults 50-plus, for LGBTQ patients who wish to seek treatment without worry of stigmas, a confidential program for first responders and military, and a faith-based program. Recovery Centers of America accepts patients 24-7 and is in network with most insurance providers. Don't wait. Call 1-800-941-2358. 800-941-2358.